835, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. All right, earlier this week, Ed Flynn said, the reason we've got violent crime in the city of Milwaukee is because of concealed carry permit holders. Hmm, let's see, what's the latest story? Milwaukee man killed in crash of vehicle taken in carjacking. All right, car was carjacked. Car taken at gunpoint, 10.30 a.m. yesterday in the 200 block of North 35th Street. Um, We know about this because that same car was involved in a crash about 4.30 in the afternoon. Um, On Wednesday, apparently what happened was you had the vehicle driving at a high rate of speed. It was a gold 2007 Cadillac DTS, unable to negotiate a turn, slam. This was not a high-speed chase. It was just couple people driving the stolen, the carjack car at a high rate of speed. They slam into a tree. Um, passenger in the front seat of the car, um, let's see, was, let's see, killed. Pa- one ha- passenger was hospitalized um, in the situation. The driver, another one was killed, and the driver of the vehicle um, heads off. And they've, they've got this is going to be an interesting test of the no snitching theory, because if you look at the media, they've got a great picture uh, of the guy who was apparently injured. Um, so far, they haven't made arrests. But now it's going to be curious to see how long it takes before somebody in the community who obviously recognizes this thug will end up making a phone call and identifying this and allowing the police to make an arrest. A handgun, a loaded Cobra CB38 Derringer was found under the front seat of the car, along with several cell phones on the driver's side. Uh, Police, again, believe the vehicle was being driven at a high rate of speed when the driver failed to negotiate a turn. Gee, what do you think the odds are that any of the people involved in this carjacking were concealed carry permit holders? I mean, gee, you think maybe this is another one of those examples of just bad guys with guns that have nothing to do at all with law-abiding citizens who choose to exercise their Second Amendment right by getting guns. But, of course... That's not the problem in the city of Milwaukee, according to the police chief. It's the concealed carry permit holders. Give me a break. Okay, we start off today's show like we start off every show. Three big things. Matter of fact, after the 9 o'clock news, one of our big things is a new ad that is out. It's been put out by the NRA. It is a 60-second ad. And to say that the heads of liberals all across the country are exploding would in fact be an understatement. Now, I'm going to play the ad when we get to that section of the program, but there's also a video that accompanies it, and the ad is very, very clear in and of itself, and the audio is very clear, but you match the audio with the pictures, and um, it is a very, very compelling ad. Like I say, it has liberal heads exploding all across the country. If you would like to see the ad, if you simply text the word, the letters, NRA, Text NRA to 414-799-1620. Text NRA to 414-799-1620, and we will send you a link to the the video. It's a 60-second ad. Like I say, I will play it, so you don't have to look at it in order to participate in the segment. But if you want to see it, it is a very, very powerful ad. And, um, again, we can – it's available. Text us NRA, 414-799-1620, and we will send you the link to it. All right. Big story number one. This was breaking news as the program ended yesterday, and we discussed it a little bit. The reaction has been hot and heavy. President Trump is, of course, known for taking to Twitter to 
sort of bypass the mainstream media and connect directly with voters. That strategy has been effective. There's no question about it when it comes to substantive issues. Part of the reason that President Trump, I think, has gotten himself in trouble with so many people is that he has also used Twitter for flights of fancy. Um, for example, in getting up in the middle of the night and making allegations that he has, in fact, been wiretapped or things like that. I mean, stuff that, again, some people think it's part of this grand master plan. Others think it's just a, a lack of discipline by the leader of the free world. Well, yesterday, he takes to Twitter to go after the hosts of this MSNBC morning show, Morning Joe, which features former Republican Congressman Joe Scarborough and um, his partner in crime. Her name is Micah, Micah Brzezinski. So he takes to Twitter to, to go after them. Um, here's what he tweets out. I heard poorly rated Morning Joe speaks badly of me. Don't watch anymore. Then how come low IQ crazy Micah, along with Psycho Joe, came to Mar-a-Lago three nights in a row around New Year's Eve and insisted on joining me. She was bleeding badly from a facelift. I said no. Okay. Now, this is the leader of the free world that, that tweets this out. And again, you know, President Trump also has a history of again, making remarks which are controversial about women. Remember the Megyn Kelly remarks about she was bleeding from her wherever. And, it's, I mean, that was viewed as by many people as being sexist and misogynistic. Here you have, okay, Micah had a facelift. I don't know if she had a facelift or not. She was bleeding. I, I said no. I don't watch the show. But you have this, I, watch the sh- I don't watch the show, which, frankly, I don't believe. I, I think President Trump probably is obsessed with all these different shows. But this is the leader of the free world that sends this out. So yesterday... All Republicans, or many Republicans, starting with Paul Ryan, they're, they're not talking about health care anymore when they go in front of the media. They're being asked about, you know, what do you think about the president's tweets? This morning in the Washington Post, there is an op-ed by Micah Brzezinski and Joe Scarborough, the people who were the subject of this tweet. Here's what they write. President Trump launched personal attacks against us Thursday, but our concerns about his unmoored behavior go far beyond the personal. America's leaders and allies are asking themselves yet again whether this man is fit to be president. We have our doubts, but we are both certain that the man is not mentally equipped to continue watching our show, Morning Joe. The president's unhealthy obsession with our show has been in the public record for months, and we are seldom surprised by his posting nasty tweets about us. During the campaign, the Republican nominee called Micah neurotic and promised to attack us personally after the campaign ended. This year, top White House staff members warned that the National Enquirer was planning to publish a negative article about us unless we begged the president to have the story spiked. We ignored their desperate pleas. The president's unhealthy obsession with Morning Joe does not serve the best interest of either his mental state or the country he runs. Despite his constant claim that he no longer watches the show, the president's closest advisors tell us otherwise. That is unfortunate. We believe it would be better for America and the rest of the world if he would keep his 60-inch-plus flat-screen TV tuned to Fox and Friends. For those lucky enough to miss Thursday's West Wing temper tantrum, the president continued a year-long habit of lashing out at Morning Joe while claiming to never ever watch it. During his early morning tirade, Mr. Trump spit out schoolyard insights about insults about low IQ crazy Micah, Psycho Joe, and much worse. He also fit a flurry of falsehoods into his two-part tweet storm. 
And then it goes on and goes on about the facelift and all this type of stuff. Um, and essentially, the headline is Donald Trump is not well. Okay, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Now, I appreciate that there has been what I consider to be a vendetta in the mainstream media launched against President Trump, unlike unlike anything that I have ever seen in my lifetime. Now, I understand that there were haters out there for Barack Obama, but typically that was that was like one corner of, of the media universe. Now it's pretty much anything goes when it comes to Donald Trump. So I, I understand you can make the argument just because you're paranoid doesn't mean everybody's out to get you. At the same time, we are talking about the leader of the free world. So with almost 24 hours to think about this, was Trump's tweet appropriate or inappropriate? Does it belittle the office of the President of the United States? Does it indicate, as at least these talk show hosts suggest, that Donald Trump is not well? 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. For my part, I, I just, I, I understand that the guy is thin-skinned. I understand that his re- reaction to any criticism is to you know, go on the attack and call names. I understand his bullying has worked in the past. But you know what? As somebody who wants to support the president and agrees with a lot of the policies he's come out with, this, th- this tactic, the tweets, the attacks, the name-calling, it's got to stop. He is diminishing the office of the presidency, and that's more important than Donald Trump or MSNBC hosts or anything else. 414-799-1620. We're back to talk about this in just a couple minutes. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 845. This is Jeff Wagner. Well, I'm on my way. I don't know where I'm going. I'm on my way. I'm taking my time, but it's I don't 849, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. That is, of course, Paul Jimon. Paul Jimon. Paul Simon performing tonight at the American Family Insurance Amphitheater. That is Summerfest. After her purse was stolen, she hit the robber with her car. Now it's she that's facing criminal charges. Are the wheels of justice spinning in the right direction in this case? Get the details of the story in Reactoring. Scafidi and Bill Stat, 1235 this afternoon as they broadcast live from Summerfest, sponsored by the Milwaukee Symphony Orchestra. All right, we're, we're talking about the, the latest tweet storm where President Trump goes after these two talk show hosts on MSNBC. I think, I think it's got to stop. I, I'm under no delusions that it will. But I think it diminishes the office of the presidency. I think it makes the president look incredibly thinned-skinned. I mean, who cares what a couple MSNBC hosts say? Let's start with Jeff in Waukesha. Jeff, you're first. Good morning. Yeah, i got to wonder if some of this is being done by design by Trump. I mean, whenever you know he's trying to get stuff done, like right now there's a lot of things hanging out there. There's a Sanctuary Cities bill. Uh, there's a few other things that they're working on that he just doesn't do this to get the media to chase his tail while Congress can, can focus on, on the, the bills that he's got out there that he's trying to get passed. The problem, though, Jeff, is that Congress doesn't focus on the bills. I mean, yesterday, every Republican that stands up in front of a camera is being asked to respond to this particular stuff. And I guess, see, that that's, I see, I mean, I understand that there's some people out there that think this is all some part of this, this grand master plan. I get, I just don't think so. I think he's just, I think he's just really thin-skinned. He's kind of a bully, and this is his reaction. You know, you criticize me, I'm going to fight back. Yeah, it could be at least one or the other, but I, <laughs> I think that's a distinct possibility that 
he's doing it by design. I really do. Okay, thanks for the call. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, is this, and I, I understand, there, there's some people out there that make the argument that, that he was making, that this is, uh, again, this is part of this giant strategy that's out there. I just don't give him that much credit. I think this is an example of somebody who's a narcissist in the extreme. It's an example of somebody who is incredibly thin-skinned. And look, that's at some point in time, you know, it's one thing when you're 16 years old and you're on a playground and you respond to taunts in a fashion like this. It's another thing when you're 70-some years old and you're the leader of the free world that you're going to obsess with. At the end of the day, who, who cares what Mika Brzezinski and Joe Scarborough have to say on however many people are watching their crummy little cable TV news show on MSNBC? The truth of the matter is... That when he does this, he just gives attention to them. You want to bet? You know what the highest rated news show, the highest rated cable show is going to be this morning? Well, it's going to be you know Scarborough. It's going to be this morning Joe show because everybody's going to be tuning in to watch it. I just don't think President Trump is that clever. I think again, it's this thin-skinned reaction where he just has to lash out. And look, I the, the name calling. All right, it's one thing. It's one thing to do it during the campaign. I thought it was unseemly then, lying Ted Cruz, that kind of stuff. I thought it was unseemly then. But I think it is especially unseemly when you are the president of the United States. And this is coming from somebody who wants to see the Trump administration succeed and who supports a lot of the policies. But I think he gets in his own way. James in Sheboygan. James, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. James. James. Okay, go yes. Hi, James. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, yes, I, uh, I think I agree with you, Jeff. It really does need to stop. It's not working, and we've got a lot of serious issues in this country that need a lot of attention, and this is not something we need to be wasting all this time on. Well, well, right now, some people would say, James, that it's the that, that you know it's the fault of, of the media. Jeff, okay, you're denouncing this. Why are you spending you know two segments on your radio show talking about it? But the truth is, this is what everybody is talking about because it is a distraction, and it does, I think, reflect on the potential mental health of the president of the United States. Well, and also the way we're viewed, and you know, there is an old famous old saying that. If you keep doing the same thing over and over again and it's not working. Right. It's a definition of insanity. Of insanity. And, and I, I wish he would just stop that and deal with the problems that we have. I, I voted for him and I have very conservative leanings overall. And I'd like to see, uh, let's get some stuff done besides entertain the media, so to speak. Well, exactly. Feeding, right. Exactly. Feeding the beast. Now, in, in Trump's defense, as, as I said, starting this, I, I think, I think the way, however you want to define mainstream media, and again, it's it's tough to. The mainstream media now is different than the mainstream media twenty years ago because people get their information from all those sorts of different sources. But no, regardless of how you define mainstream media, I think it's clear if you think about the major newspapers and you think about the major TV networks, the the vitriol, the hatred. The gloves off, let's do anything, let's say anything, and it's going to be okay. Attacks towards Donald Trump have been not unlike nothing we have ever seen before. And again, I acknowledge that there were fringe elements out there that you know criticized Barack Obama and the, the whole birther thing and stuff like that. But that never, 
you you try you turn on one of these talking head shows. Um, you turn on the mainstream. You turn on ABC or NBC or CBS News. You try to watch this stuff, and and you see it's. Donald Trump can do nothing wrong. It can do nothing right. It's one attack after another. So I understand how, after a little bit of wa- time about getting beaten up like that, your inclination is you want to lash out and respond. But the truth of the matter is, Donald Trump won. He is the president. And so, you know, if you are the president, you've got to, I think, be somewhat above the fray. Who cares what a couple talk show hosts on, of all places, MSNBC say? And I think he would be much, much, much better off if he just put down the phone and stopped with the, you know, 140 characters. If you want to communicate with the general public about issues and you think you can do it in 140 characters, go with God. But the personal attacks on, you know, these these talk show hosts, you would hope that it would stop because while it is red meat, I guess, to the faithful, I think for a lot of people who want to see him succeed, who are either conservatives or middle of the road, they roll their eyes and say, this is the president of the United States. We're not on Celebrity Apprentice anymore. It's 8.56. This is Jeff Wagner. And by the way, coming up in just a couple minutes, we're going to be talking about this NRA ad that's been put out. I'm going to play the audio of it, 60 seconds. But if you would like to see the accompanying video, if you text NRA to 414-799-1620. We will send you a link. So text NRA to 414-799-1620. Like I said, I'm going to play the audio, but the video that goes along with it is pretty compelling as well. It's 856. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Let's see, uh, Mike texts. Unfortunately, you are right when you suggest that Trump is the same thin-skinned bully as president as he was on the campaign trail. And during the debates, he needs to rely on job performance to silence, silence his critics, not his tweets. That's a simple concept, which most adults understand. Instead, he feeds into the frenzy, very unpresidential. Yeah, that's that's kind of the, the, the point here. And I, I understand there is a certain technique and there's a certain theory that says when you're wrong, be strong and keep blasting away. But... Um, I don't know if it's possible, but if I were the daughter, if I were Ivanka, if I were the son-in-law, I'd just hide the phone. I just, I would just hide the phone for six months, and you know what? Let the policies that get implemented take over, and my guess is his approval rating picks up at least five points. Okay, um, 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Um, I've been promoting this for the last 30 minutes. The NRA is out with a 60-second ad that has... Heads exploding all across the country. It features a woman named Dana Loesch, who's an NRA spokeswoman. Um, She's she's on a lot of the talking head shows, um, speaking about it as as a popular gun rights pundit. Um, This this sixty second ad is also accompanied by various photograph by by various you know pictures as well. But the audio gives you an idea of what's going on. If you want to see the entire ad, you can simply text the word NRA. I guess that's not a word. Text NRA to four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. But here's here is the audio of this ad. Let's play it. They use their media to assassinate real news. 
They use their schools to teach children that their president is another Hitler. They use their movie stars and singers and comedy shows and award shows to repeat their narrative over and over again. And then they use their ex-president to endorse the resistance, all to make them march, make them protest, make them scream racism and sexism and xenophobia and homophobia, to smash windows, burn cars, shut down interstates and airports, bully and terrorize the law-abiding, until the only option left is for the police to do their jobs and stop the madness. And when that happens, they'll use it as an excuse for their outrage. The only way we stop this, the only way we save our country and our freedom is to fight this violence of lies with the clenched fist of truth. I'm the National Rifle Association of America, and I'm freedom's safest place. Now, accompanying the, the audio that you heard are a series of, uh, again, they're, they're, there's pictures. They're, they're showing, like, some of the different riots that are out there. They're showing illustrations from, remember, the, uh, the, the protests when President Trump first announced the travel ban and you had ban and you had all the protesters that showed up and, and shut down the, the LAX airport and those type of things. So it's showing those illustrations. It's showing, you know, police dealing with the unrest and um, all that type of stuff. So it, it is an incredibly powerful ad. There's no question uh, about it. Well, the response from critics has been intense. The argument is this is the NRA inciting violence. Um, The NRA is declaring the phrase about the left, you know, encouraging group supporters to fight back against protests by the left with the clenched fist of truth is now something, oh, this is encouraging demonstrators to be violent. This is declaring war on, um, again, liberals who would protest the president. This is completely and totally out of line. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. There is no question that this is a powerful ad. But the argument that this is encouraging gun rights supporters to declare war, to fight back, to act with violence, is that an overreaction to what is obviously a powerful ad? Um, Do you take this as an incitement to violence or just a response that, hey, you know, there's certain segments of this country that are perhaps out of control when it comes to protest, and we, being the NRA, we're going to stand up for the other side. Is this a, Does this ad cross the line? Are you offended? Do you think that this preaches violence against the left, or is this just a response to some of the out-of-control behavior that we have seen from the left over the course of the last six, seven, eight months. 414-799-1620. I will share my thoughts, and we will discuss when we come back. If you're on the line, please hold on. 414-799-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It's 913. This is Jeff Wagner. That I'm at an all-time. It's 913. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. That's John Bellion performing tonight at the Miller Light Oasis. Uh, Dan text. Apparently, the Clint's fish is fist is trademarked by the Democrat Party. Yeah, I, um, Mike in Sheboygan writes: The left can't handle the truth. Everything that is in the commercial is true. Somebody has to stand up to the temper tantrums. Look, here's how I look at this. This is clearly an in-your-face ad. Okay, I get it. But this idea that oh, it is promoting violence. Oh, it is encouraging gun owners or whoever to to stand up and start taking matters into their own hands. All right, get over the phony outrage. 
I mean, the truth is, this ad strikes me as a very effective and powerful denouncement of the violence that you have seen, the misbehavior, if you want to call it the, uh, again, the, the you know civil disobedience or whatever, that has been exercised pretty consistently by the left since Donald Trump won the election. I don't think this is declare it's, the, I mean, the, the criticism is, oh, you know, you, you talk about they, it, it refers to they, it, it pits Americans against each other. What do you think has been going on in this country for the last several months when the people staged the die-in at the federal building? They're not trying to pit part of this country against the other. It's just so interesting to me that the left always thinks it has this moral high ground when it comes to these types of protests. We can protest. We can march down the street. We can do whatever we want. But if we get called out for that, well, then, oh, my gosh, this is terrible. People are being divisive and declaring war against us. I mean, get, get over it. Seriously, there's nothing in this ad that promotes violence towards the protesters. It does say, however... Now, it's time for people who are upset about this, who don't like the fact that you have what I think is a loud minority that's dominating the headlines and is, I don't know, challenging certain institutions. It says, hey, look, we're going to call them out. Now, does this make you more likely to join the NRA? I, I, I don't know about that one way or the other. But all this offense about the ad, I mean, seriously, Wagner's rule of life, number one, life is tough. Get a helmet. Let's talk to Jeff in Milwaukee. Jeff, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. Um, you know, I don't think it has much influence on it. But, the, you know, to me, the problem is is the, this is getting out too much. There's too much publicity on this. Everybody needs to back out. This This country is out of control. Um, you know, um, no matter what you say or what you put on, everybody's arguing about who's going to pop a zit. You know, it's it's crazy. Well, there. I mean, there is. I mean, look, we are we are very divided, and I I appreciate that. I think in general, okay, if we had a in general decision to kind of turn down the rhetoric, that would probably be a, a good thing. But right now. The idea is that if you are, if you're on the left, if you, you know, okay, we're pulling out of the Paris Peace Accords. All right, don't you understand? We're going to destroy the planet. We're going to march in droves. Oh, my goodness. You know, we're going to try to reform failing Obamacare. Oh, my goodness. You want to kill millions of Americans. That's the nature of the rhetoric that's out there. Oh, my goodness. You have a police officer that engages in a justified shooting of someone. And here, you know, we're going to, you know, vandalize stuff. We're going to riot. We're going to take over the streets. You know, the the truth is you, you cannot have it both ways. And I guess I try to look at this ad objectively. This ad is not a call to violence. This ad is not, here, arm yourselves and go shoot protesters. That's not what the message is. Now, it does call out the protesters. It does identify, you know, these people as they. And some folks are saying, well, they're they're turning them into the enemy by referring to them as the unknown they. You're being divisive. Well, okay, what do you think the protests do, for goodness sakes? All right, Republicans are people who are supporting reforms in health care. Oh, my gosh, you're evil. It's terrible. You want to kill people. And then you respond in this fashion. Now, 
I, I think if, if you want to look at some of the effect of the heated rhetoric, you know, where is the soul searching coming from the left as a result of the shootings uh, where you actually did have the one disaffected semi-psycho Bernie bot who moves from Illinois to Washington and starts stalking Republican congressmen? I mean, you, you think that that wasn't inflamed by the rhetoric that you heard on MSNBC or that you see on an almost daily basis in parts of what we'll call the mainstream media? Where is the outrage for that? The selective outrage of all this is just absolutely incredible. And I guess I, I look at this ad, and, and candidly, just like I think President Trump makes a huge mistake when he calls out Morning Joe in a tweet, because now that's going to be the highest rated cable show, um, certainly today, maybe for the next week or two. I mean, I think the unhinged left makes a huge mistake when they call out ads like this, because now this is what everybody is focused on. This is an ad that probably nobody would have paid attention to, but now folks are, again, just highlighting this and it's getting a lot of attention but again i don't i don't see anything in it i don't see anything in it that should cause people to think oh this is inciting violence it's just it is a response to i think behavior that in many respects has in fact been out of control don in illinois don you're on 620 wtmj yes uh i see in the bible in ephesians uh, chapter six it says to guard your loins with the uh, effectively the weapon of truth. Um, I, I think that uh, well, that's, explain that's, a lot if you just read that particular right. chapter. And, and she's saying she's saying the clenched fifth fist of of truth. I mean, th- thanks. To, it's like the clenched fist of truth. It's not grab your gun and go take matters into your own hands. It's, look, we're going to stand up for police officers. We're going to stand up for certain institutions. That's, you know, the message that's coming out of this. Now, again, you might not like it. You might not agree with it. You might not think it's fair. But, all right, is it really calling for violence? Is it that much out of control? Mark in West Bend. Mark, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, good morning. Um, I was thinking about this ad, and there's a lot more to it than people are thinking about. Um, the uh, NRA is kind of a spokesperson for Second Amendment rights, and I think that there's a lot more. Um, this is kind of a reversal of what they're doing. They're, the Second Amendment is kind of is there to protect the people against the intrusion of the government into people's lives, and now this is kind of NRA speaking for um, for the people to get behind the government and to stand behind whatever the government is trying to do and to get back in the line. I think this is really uncharacteristic of the NRA. So you think it's, in, um, I won't use the word hypocritical, but you think it's this inconsistent with the general message? Ah, very much so, yes. Hmm. Interesting. I'd have to think that through. I mean, I think what you're seeing, I mean, obviously, it, this is designed, I, I think, to promote membership in the NRA. Whether it is successful or not, I don't know. I think what they are trying to do is to say, look, there, there are institutions which are, are being challenged. There are freedoms that are being challenged by the mob. You know, the, the they, the unnamed they, by, by the mob. And, you know, we, we need to stand up for your freedoms. You can't allow this to degenerate into mob rule. I'm, I mean, I didn't write the ad. I, I think that's what the kind of message is. Is this an effective ad that makes people say, hey, I'm going to go join the NRA? I, I don't know about that. And I, I take no position on it. I'm not an NRA member. I, I will say, though, that this outrage, oh, this is promoting violence. You know, this is just across the beyond the pale. I mean, seriously, look at the stuff that gets said in the media on a daily basis. And you 
will find a lot more objectionable stuff coming again from the talking heads that you'll see on a lot of the cable news shows than you find in this ad. And if you want to see it again, um, and you want to see the pictures that go with it, if you simply text NRA to 414-799-1620, we'll send it to you. It's 924. This is Jeff Wagner. I can drink to that all night. That's the stuff I like. That's the kind of party makes you throw your hands up high. Not to tell one no fucking gong gong. 26, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. That's uh, Gerard. Is it Newman? Neiman. Perf- Neiman. Performing tonight at Summerfest at the U.S. Cellular Connection stage. Be sure to check that out. Looks like it's going to be a nice night at Summerfest. The NFL's landscape is ever-changing. Packers president Mark Murphy gives Wayne Larravee his thoughts on franchise shift, rules changes, TV ratings, and an update on the new Titletown district development. That's going to be spectacular. It's all part of Wayne's latest episode of the Play-By-Play podcast up now at WTMJ.com and on the WTMJ mobile app. While you're there, check out the podcast of this program. I know lots and lots of people do, and I appreciate that quite a bit. All right. Uh, I think just Latroy Guyon who you know, plays on the defensive line for the Packers. This is this is the time general managers in the NFL just absolutely hate because it's the end of like the mini camps, training deck camp doesn't start, you know, for another few weeks and this is the time when the players they have several weeks on their own and the concern is that they're going to get in trouble. Um, Latroy Guyon is just a bad actor. The guy has been in trouble off and on for his entire career. He was the guy arrested a couple years ago, um, you know, driving through his hometown in Stark, Florida. He's got a gun. He's got three quarters of a pound of pot. He's got a large amount of cash, and, and he ends up getting his wrist slapped in connection with that. And the Packers end up taking him back. It's the guy when he gets arrested. His father comes down. His father, who is well known to the police as a drug dealer or drug user himself, comes down and says, "Yeah, whenever he comes back, he's got the best pot around." Okay, so I'm sure the Packers were popping their buttons over that, but because he could play defensive line, they brought him back. He's suspended for the first game, four games of the season because of using uh, performance-enhancing drugs. And he was arrested, what, last week in Hawaii um, for drunk driving. And, you know, we talked about this last week. At some point in time, if the Packers are going to say character counts, doesn't character really have to count? Well, the details are starting to come out. Green Bay Packers defensive lineman, this is the AP story, Latroy Guyon, smelled of alcohol and marijuana, stumbled when he walked and spoke with slurred speech when police pulled him over in a Porsche in Hawaii. His blood alcohol level was .086% about an hour after his early morning June 21st arrest for intoxicated driving. Please, sir, it's my birthday, he told the officer. I can have someone else drive. He was pulled over while driving a white 2017 Porsche Cayenne because he was drifting between lanes. I know I'm drunk, he told the officer. I've been drinking Hennessy all night. I don't drink any of that weak stuff, only the hard stuff. This guy is what we used to call in the prosecutor's office felony dumb. He then tossed his wallet to his girlfriend who was riding in the passenger seat and asked if she could bail him out of jail. His agent declined comment other than saying that he was on vacation in Hawaii. Um, He told the police um, he'd been on his way to his hotel after going to Play Bar, a Waikiki nightclub. He refused a blood test, consented to the breath test, surrendered his driver's license. Again, 
look, if this was just, okay, he's high and he's drunk, and this is the guy's first time at the rodeo, maybe you cut him a break. But seriously, at, at some point in time, don't you have to say enough is enough? Now, I'm sure if he can play, teams like the Dallas Cowboys will be more than glad to have him on their team. But, I mean, really, Packers talk about standards. It's time to enforce. I, I just love it. Honest honest to God, officer, I only drink Hennessy. I'm drinking, I don't drink that weak stuff. And, yeah, I, I know I'm drunk and I know I reek a pot. But here, <laughs> just it's my birthday. Give me a break. Let me get back in my Porsche and keep driving. What are the odds, whenever this guy's career ends, what, what are the odds that it does, it does not end well for him? I mean, at some point in time, because the fact that he's a professional athlete has apparently been getting him out of trouble for most of his adult life. Um, it's these guys that they either straighten up or, more likely, they typically flame out in a big way. You hope Guy can, complain, can straighten himself out, and if he wants to continue to play, that's great, but maybe not with the Packers. I wish I knew you when I was young. Thirty-five, Jeff Wagner, six twenty, WTMJ. This is the Revivalists. They're performing at the Johnson Controls World Soundstage tonight at Summerfest. Check that out. And by the way, if you're down at Summerfest this afternoon, we've got our very own Scafidi and Billstead. They're there from noon until three. John McCure, um, he's there with Wisconsin's Afternoon News from three to six. So stop by, check it out. I think we're in our same traditional spot, looking over the lagoon and Lake Michigan. Um, great time, and uh, I think the weather's going to cooperate today. Uh, Summerfest, just a wonderful experience get down there paul simon performing tonight i'm going to go tomorrow that's the the plan i'm going with my brother and my niece and one of her friends we're going to go see um zach brown and then before that i think we'll let the young ladies walk around the grounds and scott and i are going to at at the at the gruber law sports i know the hondo is making emotions as if drinking now well we we might have a we might have an adult beverage but this is my brother's idea there's um like one of the local wrestling organizations, like Brew City Wrestling or something, they they they're they're doing a wrestling demonstration. They got wrestling matches. At, that's at five o'clock. So my brother says, "Let's go to that." <laughs> so it's my brother. What do you say? You know, it's okay. So we'll we'll be checking that out. And then I think I'm going to get down there sometime uh, later next week as well. All right, big story number three: the House of Representatives passes something known as Kate's Law. Now, interestingly. In an era where you can get bipartisan support for almost nothing, Kate's law passed the House yesterday by a vote of 257 to 167. This means you had almost all Republicans. I think one Republican voted no, and you had 24 Democrats who voted yes. So now that's not, what's that, about 20%? I mean, so you did have, oh, that's actually, you know, uh, well, maybe a little bit more than that. But, you you know, you've got you had 24 Democrats that decided that they were going to support this as well. So what is Kate's law? Kate's law is is named after Kate Steinle. You might remember she is the San Francisco woman who back in 2015 was walking with her father and she was killed by an illegal immigrant who was in the U.S. despite multiple deportations. Matter of fact, the two-year anniversary of her death is on Saturday. The guy who allegedly, and I say allegedly because the wheels of justice turned very, very slowly, his case is still working its way through the court system, but he'd been deported five times um, before he was involved in in the shooting. What Kate's law would do 
is toughen the penalties for people who come into the country illegally. Because part of the problem right now is just like with so many criminals in Milwaukee County, we've got a catch and release policy. Hey, if you're a juvenile, you steal a car, don't worry, nothing bad is going to happen to you. When it comes to people who come into this country illegally, oftentimes there is a catch and release policy as well. So what Kate's law would do is increase the penalties for people who are caught in this country illegally after being deported multiple times. Under the bill, if a deported alien re-entered the U.S. illegally and, and had either a felony conviction or three, year, three misdemeanors on their record, they would go to prison for up to 10 years. So if you come into this country, you are convicted of a felony, you are then deported. If you come back into this country and you're caught, maximum penalty is 10 years. If you have three misdemeanors on your record and you are deported, you come back into this country, you are caught, you also would be subject to up to 10 years in prison. Anyone illegally caught crossing the border after having been deported three or more times would also be subject to 10 years in prison. So it focuses on two things. First of all, somebody either with a felony or three misdemeanor convictions who is deported, who gets caught back in this country, you go to prison for up to 10 years. Similarly, if you have been deported three times and you haven't gotten the message and you come back into this country, you're looking at 10 years in prison as well. This, like I say, had overwhelming support in the House of Representatives. It now goes to the Senate. Now, the problem in the Senate is you need 60 votes to be able to break a filibuster. There's 52 Republicans. So the question is, will eight Democrats defect and, again, risk riling part of their constituency who doesn't think people who don't don't think that people who come into this country illegally should be held accountable for anything. Will eight Democrats break, break ranks and, and vote for this? Don't know the answer. But 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Big story number three, Kate's Law, which provides for enhanced penalties, again, for people with convictions who come back into this country after being deported, or people who keep getting deported and coming back into this country. Finally, we say enough is enough. I think this is a long overdue law, and I think anybody... Anybody should support this. This isn't a, gee, you're hostile to immigrants sort of law. This is a law that says if you don't belong in this country, you've been caught, you keep coming back in, sooner or later there's going to be a consequence. And actually, I think you can argue that three deportations entering after that kind of tells me that you don't give a rat's rump about the laws of the United States. And, and yes, you need to be you need to be held. Similarly, if you have a criminal record, three misdemeanors, or a felony, and you're deported, this sends a message, don't come back into this country. 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I support this law, and I hope I hope the U.S. Senate passes it. I know the president will sign it. Is this an unfair war on immigrants, or is this common-sense legislation? I think it's common-sense legislation. I think it should be supported. What do you think? We discuss next. It's 942. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. If you call my name out loud, do you suppose that I would come running? 
Do you suppose I'd come out? It's 946, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. This is Dispatch, performing at the Harley-Davidson Roadhouse. Um, also tonight, Briggs & Stratton, Big Backyard, Josh Stone. Um, great performer. I like Josh Josh Stone. Joss. Yeah, Joss. J-O-S-S. Joss. Joss Stone. I like her a lot, so it's a good show. I'd encourage you checking that out. Paul Simon at the uh, American Family Insurance Amphitheater. Looks like it's going to be a really good night. All right. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Big story number three. Two immigration bills passed the House of Representatives yesterday. One would deny federal grants to sanctuary cities. Now, that's that's going to be a little bit more controversial, even though it's not controversial in my mind. The idea being, if you want to, you know, if you decide that you are, you don't want to cooperate with the federal government and you want to be a city that is going to, and again, the definition of sanctuary cities varies from, from community to community. But essentially, if you want to be a city that decides it does not want to cooperate with federal law enforcement when it comes to enforcing you know, our national laws with regard to immigration, great, but then why should you be able to collect federal money? So this is, this bill, just like states have the right to set the drinking age at whatever age they want. You know, we in Wisconsin could have an 18-year-old drinking age if we wanted, but the federal government says, hey, if you're going to have an 18-year-old drinking age, you're going to lose all the federal highway money. So, all right, so that's why we have a 21-year-old drinking age. Um, the federal government has the carrot and the stick, the carrot being the federal money, the stick being if you don't do what we want to do, you don't get the carrot. So I, I think, again, this bill, the part that, again, just takes funding away from sanctuary cities, to me that that makes sense. That's going to be more controversial. I don't see Kate's law as being particularly controversial. I don't think it should be, because the truth of the matter is, wherever you stand on the issue of, of legal immigration, I think we would all agree that people who commit crimes in the United States while here illegally and then they are sent back to their country of origin or where they came from. If you, if you, if they come back into this country, I think that there should be certain penalties. In addition, I think it is more than reasonable to come out and say, if you have somebody who is, is chronic, somebody who keeps coming back in, whether they're committing crimes or not, but somebody who has gone through the process, who has been deported not once, not twice, but three times, if they decide that, you know, three times isn't the charm and they want to come back in a fourth time, I don't think it's unreasonable to say, look, rather than just simply sending you back to wherever and then waiting for you to come across the border again, you're, you're going to do hard time. I think that is reasonable. And that's what Kate's Law is all about. People who are at, who are tossed out of this country because, again, one felony conviction, and you got to work to get a felony conviction, or three misdemeanor convictions, you stay out. If you come back in after you have been deported, you're going to be looking at significant prison time. And similarly, if you've been deported three times and you keep coming back into this country, finally we say enough is enough. This, to me, is a reasonable, common-sense approach. Now, it will be interesting to see how the sort of illegal immigration lobby responds to this. I understand the knee-jerk reaction is going to be, oh, this is terrible, this is anti-immigrant. No, this is, this is, anti, this is anti-criminal. If you, this has nothing to do 
with law-abiding citizens. But this says that if you keep coming into this country after deportation, there's going to be consequences. And if you come into this country after committing crimes and being sent back, there are going to be consequences. This should get 60 votes in the U.S. Senate. And I will tell you, you know, we've got an election coming up in November of 2018. This, to me, to me, this is a no-brainer. And to me, this is the type of issue Tammy Baldwin, for example, her, her knee-jerk reaction to something like this is probably, no, I'm not going to support it. This, to me, is an incredible campaign wedge issue. And if somebody like Tammy Baldwin, you know, won't support, you know, limiting debate, won't support um, limiting debate on this and won't commit on, you know, voting for this, this is the type of thing that whoever ends up running against her, I think, could certainly use as an issue, which I think most people would relate to and most people would end up agreeing with. Ellen in Merton. Ellen, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Hi there. Hi, Ellen. Um. I believe that if you're in our country, you should be following our laws. I work every day with some people, some families that are illegal immigrants, um, that are working really hard to try to be here and to try to do the right thing to get to the point where they're not illegal. Right. And if you're going to make, if you're going to do things wrong and you're going to be in our country, that's just not right. You just need to be. You need to be out of here. You well, need right. to and, follow the rules of, of America. Right, and and if you're if you're, I mean, thanks for the call, Ellen. And, and if if you commit a crime, do your time or whatever, and then are are deported, you know, go through the whole process and are sent back to whatever country you came from, and you decide, hey, I'm going to come back into this country. Well, okay, you need to understand that there are consequences. And the truth of the matter is, I, I don't think, regardless of how you feel about immigration, if you have somebody who is in this country illegally, who commits a felony, explain to me why, after that person is deported, they should be able to come back into this country again without consequences. If you have somebody who is apprehended on three separate occasions and goes through the entire process of being deported. And by the way, we're not right now, we're not talking about the dreamers or anything like that. We're talking about people who are actually deported, not once, not twice, but three times. And you still keep coming back into this country. What part of stay out don't you understand? And I don't think that that's... Uh, again, I don't think that that's this ridiculous position to take. I don't think it is an extremist position to take. It is, I think, a rational position to take with regard to illegal immigration. Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Jeff. Uh, I think uh, you're wrong with uh, 60 votes. It should be 100 votes yeah. against this. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's my thought. Yeah, it just, no one it, should come back after committing crime here. Right, or, or or after you've been deported three times, and it, and it requires you to be deported, so you have to go through the system. You know, after you've been deported three times, if you come back again, what part of stay out don't people understand? Absolutely. Yeah. No. Thanks. I, again, right. This to me, the Kate's law is a common sense, reasonable response. That does nothing with regard to, you know, people who, again, are, first of all, it does nothing with people who are in, in this country legally, period. So that doesn't play in. It does play in if you have people who are in this country illegally and have committed crimes. And I would think that, and look, the, the truth of the matter is, that's a small percentage. 
I mean, that's a small percentage. The vast majority of people who are in this country illegally, other than the fact that they've come in illegally, aren't committing crimes, and I think you could argue aren't necessarily even a problem. But for whatever that percentage is, 5%, 10%, whatever, people who are committing crimes, three misdemeanors or a felony, who are sent out, you come back in, yeah, I think that there should be teeth in the law. And I don't think that makes me the ugly American. It is just a common sense approach. Okay, coming up in less than 10 minutes, I admit, I'm going to get on my soapbox about this. Front page story in the local newspaper about a prospective candidate who paid no state income taxes for a given year. I think this is an incredible, cheap shot. I'll explain why. It's 954. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 9.57, Jeff Wagner, 6.20 WTMJ. That is, of course, Paul Simon performing tonight at the Summerfest main stage, the American Family Insurance Amphitheater. See, I'm getting pretty good. Um, instead of calling it the Marcus Amphitheater, it's the American Family Insurance Amphitheater. Is it a call to action or a declaration of war? What is the NRA looking to accomplish with its new online promotional campaign discussed with Scafidi and Bill Stead at 2.07 today as they broadcast live from Summerfest, sponsored by the Milwaukee Symphony. The orchestra. Now, we talked about that at the top of the hour. If you want to see the ad that is generating all the controversy, again, if you just text NRA to 414-799-1620, we will be delighted to send you the 60-second the video together with the audio of the ad that is generating all the controversy. And uh, Scafidi and Bill Stat going to be revisiting that issue at 2.07 this afternoon. All right. As career moves go. This was a bad idea. I remember saying at the time, now I don't advise other people as to career moves, but I knew this was a bad idea, and it's played out that way. Greta Van Sustern has now been dumped by MSNBC. Um, You can remember that Greta Van Susteren, who is an Appleton native, um, first of all, she started out on CNN. um, Then she was at Fox for 14 years, got into a financial disagreement with Fox. I'm not sure they really wanted to cancel the show, but I think what happened was she wanted more money than they wanted to pay for her to continue the show. So she bolted. She went to um, MSNBC. Well, that uh, that show, she started January 9th. Um, she, she didn't even last didn't even last seven months. Um, she's out at MSNBC, MSNBC saying that the ratings just just didn't justify it. Gee, let's see. You've got a semi-conservative talk show host who goes over to this ultra lefty network and the ultra lefties that watch the network don't respond well to her. What a surprise. Who could have ever imagined that that happening? Obviously, the hope was maybe by bringing her over, she could have expanded the MSNBC base, um, maybe got some Fox viewers to shift with her. Didn't work out that way. And I think this was incredibly predictable. I'm a big fan, by the way, of Greta Van Susteren, but um, she's out at MSNBC. And now you wonder where where does she land next? Okay, it is 959 coming up right after the news. All right. I, I just think it is an incredible cheap shot that the newspaper takes this morning. And it's a cheap shot they've taken in the past. We'll discuss. Stick around. I'm ten. It's ten oh eight. This is Jeff Wagner. Jane, before you go, so tell me about this video. I have not, I have not seen this video. What, woman, what, what happens? Pregnant woman in North Carolina, right, at a Walmart. Okay, comes out. Of I the like, store. I like the story already. Okay, comes pregnant out of the woman store. Coming, okay, so uh, sees a guy uh, running away with her purse. So he like the guy grabs her purse. 
I'm not quite okay. sure if he got it out of the out of the out of her out of her vehicle or, or, or how this happened, it. or he okay. snatched it. But okay. Okay. he's running he's running away from her. She gets in the truck and she runs him down. Jeez. Oh, I mean, she jumps a median and, right, to and, run him down. and runs him down. And what happens to him? He was not seriously hurt, which is amazing. I've, I've looked at the video a couple times, and it looks like he went flying. He, but uh, he, they're both facing charges now. Okay, so they're charging her for trying to run him down. With the <laughs> use of, you know, it's a deadly weapon. Oh, no, no. It's, I, I was asking partly where the state is because you just... Should have been Florida. <laughs> well, or, or Arkansas or Alabama or Mississippi. Well, but even in North Carolina, depending... I mean, well... I'm going to be honest, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, you know, if you've you got to get 12 people to unanimously agree beyond a reasonable doubt that somebody has committed a crime, that's going to be, that's going to be a it's tough be prosecution tough. Yep. because regardless of whether or not you think this was excessive, and based on your description, it, it sounds like it's an excessive thing. Somebody you know, steals your purse, you run them down. But try, you, you, I can easily see a couple people on a jury thinking, I'd do the same damn thing oh, if that I, guy robbed me. I think you're right. And it's easy to say what you would do when you're not in the moment, but, but you get your, you know, you get angry and... Oh, yeah. My car tends to be my angry place. I, <laughs> I, I could possibly be her. Okay. okay. Rem, rem, memo. Don't irritate Jane Matinair. Not when, when I'm she's driving. Behind, <laughs> well, I've learned not to irritate you, period. I'm, I'm trying, I, I try my best just not to irritate you, period, because, you know, I love you, but you scare me a little bit. You know? so it's, that, we have the perfect relationship. <laughs> exactly. I, I love you. I respect you. And I'm a little bit of frightened. So that's okay. See, that's that's that that's good. That That's actually... Oh, actually that's the relationship that I have with a lot of women in my life, you know, just kind of <laughs> love them, care for them, and I'm a little bit scared, which is probably, all right. Okay, there, let us, we, we by the way, coming up in the 11 o'clock hour, we've got our weekend review. We've also got a couple um, fun topics. This is, we're having a B-I-G-T-I-M-E on today's program. We do not go gently into the good weekend. All right, here here is the story. Let me explain the background on this, and I, I do want to get your, your reaction. In Wisconsin, a lot of people don't know this. In Wisconsin, the amount of state taxes you pay is a public record. I never realized that, but until uh, this is years ago, I'm running for office, and I get this notice from, I think, the State Department of Revenue saying that it was some liberal activist, in, in, I, I was running for attorney general, had, had filed a request to find out the amount of tax I paid to the state. Your tax returns themselves are not public, but the amount, the, the dollar amount of taxes you paid is. So you, you can look at this, and it, it, it I mean, it, it's tough to, t- I mean, I guess if, if you, since you don't see the tax returns, you don't really know what's going on, but you can see if somebody paid no taxes, for example, in a, in a given year, etc. Now, again, I believe me, when it comes to taxes, I have absolutely nothing to hide. My entire life, my income has been all either you know W-2 income or or K-1 income. It's 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 just it's all out there, and um, I think most people would look at the amount of taxes I paid. You you wouldn't see anything that appears to be like an incredible irregularity, but under the law in Wisconsin. People can make requests, and you can find out pretty much what anybody paid in taxes. Now, I personally don't think that should be a public record. I, I just don't. I, I personally think the amount of tax you paid is your own is between you and the state. And if if you've done something wrong, 
if the State Department of Revenue feels that you have underpaid your taxes and you've done it in a fashion that's a crime, well, okay, then they kick it over to the State Department of Justice and you can be charged with a crime if, if you've committed a crime. Similarly, if they think it doesn't rise to the level of a crime and they decide to take action against you, well, that becomes a public record. And I think that's fair. But in general, it just bothers me. I think you should have a pri- right to privacy. I don't think the um, absent I, again, absent any indication that you've done something wrong, I personally don't believe the amount of taxes that you paid to the state should be a public record. But I'm not king. I, I don't get to make that rule right now. So what happens from time to time, and this is that the media does it, um, and, and again, it's this is these, they write these stories. Frequently what will happen is there will be people in the news, and the media will just, again, looking for a story like appears in the front page of today's local newspaper. You know, they'll make requests asking, okay, how much did this person pay in taxes or how much did that person pay in taxes? Um, the latest story involves a potential U.S. Senate candidate, Eric Hovday. You might remember Eric Hovday. He was one of the four people who ran as Republicans back six years ago against Tammy Baldwin. He came in second in a very contested primary to uh, former Governor Tommy Thompson, who went on to lose to Tammy Baldwin. Hovday is a very, very good candidate, very, very strong candidate, and he's apparently considering running for off, running for the Baldwin Senate seat again. Hasn't made any formal decision, but he's one of the names that are bandied around. So what the local newspaper does is it goes and it, and it wasn't just Hovde. They, they they look at a list of people who are being mentioned as potential candidates for U.S. Senate, and they go and they ask, you know, how much in taxes they paid. And so here you have the headline story, potential Tammy Baldwin challenger and millionaire Eric Hovde paid no 2015 state income tax. Now, I guarantee you that is the headline that if Hovde does run, that's the headline, and he gets the Republican nomination, you're going to see that headline in every attack ad. Millionaire Eric Hovde paid no 2015 state income tax. And that, of course, you know, is the headline that the Baldwin campaign wanted and the Journal Sentinel wanted to, to give. Well, okay, here here is the, the background on this. And um, the background is that, that Hovde is a businessman who is very, very active in real estate, okay? Um, you know, he's, he's had a number of different, you know, companies that are out there. And apparently, um, according, to, according to this... Um, he had investment losses. He had depreciation of real estate. In the years leading up to 2015, he apparently, the three years leading up to 2015, he paid a total of nearly $384,000 in state taxes combined. Not 384000 in one particular year, but in the three years leading up to 2015, he paid $384,000. In 2015, he didn't pay any state income tax. Now, you talk to a lot of, um, again, professionals, and, and they'll tell you this is not necessarily un- unusual because you, you get various write-offs, you get depreciation, and it's, uh, again, it varies depending on, from year to year. Some years you have losses, some years you have gains. Nobody suggests that what Hovde did was illegal or improper. It's just that the way the chips fell in 2015, he didn't owe any state income taxes. So 
Nobody is suggesting, again, any violations of the law. He just didn't didn't pay them. He didn't owe any. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should we care that in 2015, one of the guys who is considering running for the U.S. Senate, who is a millionaire, ended up with no state tax liability? Like I say, three years before that, he paid over $380,000 combined in state taxes. But in 2015, now, real estate, he's a real estate investor. The experts say large fluctuation in tax liability from year to year. So here's the question. No income tax liability. Is this a voting issue? Is this something that anybody should care about? Or if this is raised as a campaign issue, is this a cheap shot? 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I got to tell you, um, absent any evidence that there was some misconduct, whenever I see a story like this, I think it's a cheap shot. I, I just do. And I go, again, the larger point is I just don't think this should be a matter of public record. I I really don't. If somebody is committing tax fraud, if somebody is cheating, if they're not paying what they owe, fine. Then it's all fair game. But the mere fact that you do the books at the end of the year and it turns out because of your deductions, because of your losses, whatever, you don't owe anything, I don't think – I don't think that's relevant to your ability to serve. And But now, as a result of this front-page story today, I guarantee you, if Eric Hovde is the Republican candidate, this is going to be the headline. Potential Tammy Baldwin challenger and millionaire Eric Hovde paid no 2015 state income tax. The story is accurate, but is it true? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1018, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1021, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Now, the story in today's paper is is accurate. Potential Republican Senate candidate Eric Hovde paid no state income tax in 2015 after paying a total of $384,000 the three previous years. He's into real estate investments. It is not uncommon that tax liability will fluctuate from year to year. Um, The headline... The headline that is in the paper is the headline that the Baldwin campaign got. Millionaire Eric Hovde paid no 2015 state income tax. It's accurate, but is it true? I mean, should we care about this? Jeff in Waukesha. Jeff, you're on 620 WTMJ. Why should we care about it? What he did was perfectly legal. He didn't do anything different than someone who's working for wages would do on their tax return and take every legal deduction that was available to him. And he's not avoiding that tax. In real estate, you've got depreciation. You can defer it. But at some point, that yeah. tax has to be paid. Well, and, and he paid three hundred eighty-four grand over the exactly. preceding three years. So it's not like he's a tax dodger. I mean, no. it, and, right. and it shouldn't be a campaign issue, but it will be. You know, right, it, it will most be. People don't understand it. Do you think? Right, exactly. Do you think that should even it's, again? I do you think it should even be a public record again? Assuming. Because your your federal, by the way, I mean your, the f- amount of federal tax you paid isn't. This is a quirk in state law. Um, do you I mean? Do you think? Do you think, for example, I should have the right to just make a request and find out how much money you paid in state tax last year? My personal opinion, no, it should. I come from an old conservative German family where 
you know, what you made, what you earn is really nobody's damn business. Well, right, ap- right, unless you're committing a crime. No, thanks for the call. Right. right, unless, thanks for, unless, see, that's how I come down on this. And, 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 and again, I just, I think it's a cheap shot. This is not an uncommon cheap shot, though. I mean, the paper did this a few months ago. Remember Diane Hendricks, who runs the, 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 the international business out of Beloit. Um, you know, they, they do this screaming headline about how, you know, she paid no taxes in a couple, no state taxes, at least personally in a couple of years. Well, it turns out, I mean, the, the way the business is structured, she's actually paying taxes through the, the nose. But, but again, there's no personal in ta- t- taxes paid. This is like the, this sort of gotcha thing. And you get the headlines, and a lot of times just people don't understand that the different ways that people end up paying taxes. I guess I just, I mean, I look at this, and I think, all right, if the guy committed a crime, fine. If, if he's cheating on his taxes, fine. But otherwise, really, Bill in Greenbush. Bill, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, and thanks for talking to me. Sure. Um, I don't like the half-truth that they came out with the way this came out, but I do think it's important to the point that it'll indicate to me and other people what type of legislation this guy will support in the future. You know, as far as getting tax rate, tax breaks, and things that effect. Well, I mean, I guess I'm not sure I understand what you mean. He he will have to file, uh, a, you know, a financial statement. I mean, it's no secret, you know, that and it, it's no secret. The guy's a well-known businessman. It's no secret that he's, you know, ha- has a lot of money. I guess what is it? If if last year, okay, so the last three years he paid a total of almost four hundred thousand bucks in taxes. So what what does it tell you if you know one year? The, the last year, three years, he pays, let's say, on average, one hundred and ten grand, and then there's one year that it's zero, and then the next year it's one hundred and ten. What what would you glean from that as far as where he stands on issues? I believe that he's going to support tax breaks that I think should be done away with sure. for the rich. Sure. Well, well, okay. I mean, yeah, but the, but but does it matter? Does the fact that that he paid zero tax in one year, does that indicate it? Or, or just once you see his financial statement and recognize the guy's a millionaire, is, is that where you draw the conclusion? Yeah, it doesn't bother me that he didn't pay any tax okay. that year. But it, I do, you know, it does indicate to me that he's he's playing the law to his advantage, and he'll continue to do that and support that kind of law okay. that I think maybe we should, you know, go the okay. other way with. Okay, well, thanks for calling. Well, I mean, that that's, all right, that. I guess, to me, you're going to get that information regardless of whether you have access to the tax information or not. I mean, it's not going to be any secret. The guy's a businessman, and he's made a lot of money, and he'll file financial statements indicating that he's got lots of assets. That's not going to be a secret. It's just kind of the what what conclusion do you draw from in any particular given year? I mean, does that mean – I don't know, those years, if he paid $150,000, does that mean, well, he's he's not going to support uh, tax breaks? Let's talk to Lauren in Sockville. Lauren, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi. Um, I just wanted to say, I think it's really important that we have access, um, public access to tax records. I think it is an important um, part of being able to, to make those types of um discernment and and to, okay. when we want to consider like uh, the previous caller who I think had very good points of course it's not going to be the deciding factor about whether or not I vote for this person but maybe even reporting on the fluctuations of his tax record and how much he's making so yes he may be a well-known businessman but the average person who makes 50 to 60 thousand dollars a year doesn't even understand or comprehend or mm-hmm. 
Well, so Lauren, would you support? Do you think? Do you think everybody's everybody's bottom line tax return should be public? If I if yeah. I am curious, so if I'm curious as to how much you paid, um, I should be able to obtain that information and yes, then report on that. Care. Okay. Yes, to, I don't care. Well, you know, uh, well, uh, you you don't care, but I guess to to what end? What what public good is served by me, for example, you know, pulling up your name and making a request and finding out that you paid however much you paid? I mean, what what? It just needs to be, well, uh, maybe maybe as, as far as each individual person, I think it's maybe there is a gray area there, but I'm more or less than anyone who's running for a public office. Okay. Maybe transparency so that when we're talking about issues we do decide as voters whether or not this person might be more likely to vote for issues mm-hmm. like tax breaks for people for, okay. for, for the, the wealthy or okay i guess Laura, i guess my i see i guess and I, and I appreciate what you're saying of course i i don't i don't think that you're going to need to look at somebody's bottom line did you pay $150,000 in state taxes or have a particular year where you paid none, I don't think you're going to necessarily need to look at that to tell you, okay, if the guy is running as Republican, you do have to file financial statements, you know, categorizing assets and things like that. Um, I, I think you're going to get a pretty good idea. I just I just think tax records are, ab- again, absent a crime or absent a civil action indicating that you're pulling something. I, I think I think it's private information. I, I, I really do, and I don't think the media should be able to have access to that. Um, now, if somebody wants to voluntarily make their tax returns available, and by the way, Hubdi says if he gets in the Senate race, he'll make his tax returns available. I mean, he's he's not going to be like President Trump and refuse to turn them over, so you're going to get to see the information that's in there. So I don't really get the sense that the guy um, has anything to hide. It's 1028. This is Jeff Wagner. Even when I lose my head, guillotine. Ten thirty-seven. Jeff Wagner, six twenty. WTMJ. This is John Bellion performing this evening at Summerfest. Be sure to go down and check that out. I uh, just, I love this time of year. Wish every month of the year could be June. Those family memories, family memories, why do different family members remember certain events differently? <laughs> Just listen to my brother and I <laughs> talk about stories from time to time. That's not how it happened. John McCure explains in details why it might matter more than you realize. Uh-oh. That's today at 420 during Wisconsin's Afternoon News. That is live from Summerfest, sponsored by the Milwaukee Symphony Orchestra. Okay. I, I want, I, when President Trump came out with his travel ban um, from six countries. Um, And again, when you read about this in the mainstream media, it's always six Muslim-majority countries. Now, there's countless other Muslim-majority countries that aren't included. Um, Iran, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, Syria, and Yemen. And these are are countries in the broadest sense of the word, but in many cases, they're regimes. There's not there's not a government like we think of when it comes to, to governments. And the Trump concern all along was that because of these regimes, there's really no vetting going on with regard to who leaves the country. So what he wanted to do was put into a place a, a temporary restriction, 90 days for visitors, 120 days for refugees coming from these com- countries so that we can have time to evaluate our own vetting procedure, recognizing that – the people that they may be sending over to us 
aren't going to be going through a lot of the vetting procedures that they would if, say, you're trying to come in from you know France or from Spain or whatever. The U.S. after after losing in two appellate courts, the Supreme Court earlier this week said, "All right, they're, they're going to allow the travel ban to take effect, but but it can only it can't apply to close family members." So, in other words, if you are a close family member of somebody who's in the United States already, you can come in. If you're not a close family member, you, you can't. So yesterday, the Department of State came out with criteria as to who are, who are close family members and who are not. All right. Obviously, if, if it's the first person, husband, wife, children. Those are close family members that can come into the country, that aren't subject to the ban. Sons-in-laws, daughters-in-law, and stepchildren are also close family members. So if you're trying to come in from Libya, for example, if you're in the United States and you have a son-in-law, a daughter-in-law, or stepchildren who want to come in from Libya, They'd be exempt from this. If your wife wants to come in from Libya, if your kids want to come in from Libya, they would be exempt from this ban. They'd have to go through, you know, the other screening and things, but they would be exempt from the overall ban. All right. Yesterday, the State Department issues these rules. Um, They say close family members don't include grandparents, grandchildren, uncles, aunts, cousins, and fiancés. And... As soon as they came out with these rulings, the state of Hawaii immediately went into federal court challenging this, saying these are arbitrary and capricious. Grandparents are close family members. Grandchildren are close family members. So in other words, if you, okay, you're a grandma or your grandpa, and you are legally in this country, and you want to have your grandchildren come over from Somalia or Sudan or Syria, the State Department rules wouldn't let that happen um, because, again, the grandparents are not considered to be close family members of the grandchildren, aunts, uncles, cousins, fiancés. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I support the Trump travel ban. I, I, I have. But given the Supreme Court's ruling that it's close family members, and feel free to disagree with me on this, but all you grandparents out there, to suggest that, you know, you're not a close family member if your grandchildren want to come over to this country, I think that's that's ridiculous. I don't know a better word for it. I mean, I think these restrictions are overly restrictive. And I am surprised the State Department came out with them because all this is going to do is provoke more litigation. I mean, candidly, aunts and uncles, maybe you can have an argument about, but grandchildren and grandparents, I mean, for all you grandparents out there, really, do you not consider your grandchildren to be close family members? 414-799-1620. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I support this travel ban in theory, but if the exception is going to be close family members to exclude grandparents and grandchildren, I just think... I think it's wrong. It makes the administration look petty, and it's probably going to be a loser in federal court. Did they do the right thing by saying grandchildren and grandparents 
aren't close family members. And do you typically understand? Do you consider your grandparents to be close family members? I sure as heck do. 414-799-1620, or at least I sure as heck did when my grandparents were alive. It's 1042. What do you think? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. It's falling down, ain't so hard to do. Your only crutch be the bottle of brew. So I'm gonna find something else to do. Uh-huh. If I ever was to say to It's 1046, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Those are the revivalists. They're performing at the Johnson Controls World Sound Stage at Summerfest this evening. Go down, check that out. NBA Free Agency opens tonight at 1101. Last year, the Bucks were pretty active, but should fans expect more of the same this time around? Not likely, says our Justin Garcia. He explains this evening at 6.07 when he sits in for Greg during Sports Central. That is live from Summerfest, sponsored by the Milwaukee Symphony Orchestra. I, um... I, I guess, I, I, I think, candidly, I think that there would have been justification for just an overall ban on travel, temporary suspen- suspension of travel rights from the, these various countries. But the, the Supreme Court said, okay, we're going to give the Trump administration some of what it wants, and we're, we're going to say, all right, we're going to extend a travel ban, but not for close family. The idea being, uh, if you've got people who are here in this country legally, the people that are coming in um, have ties, and in, in essence, there's been sort of a vetting process to begin with. So obviously, it would apply to husbands and wives, children, sons-in-laws, daughters-in-law, and stepchildren. I think the Trump administration and the State Department made a huge mistake yesterday when they decided to take the narrow, in my opinion, about as narrow an interpretation of close family as you could possibly mean, saying grandparents, grandchildren, uncles, aunts, cousins, and fiancés don't count. Now, I don't know about uncles and aunts because that can kind of be a tenuous relationship. I certainly don't know about cousins because, I mean, for example, I know that there's some families where the cousins, you're extremely close to your cousins. I, I get that. Um, it, it, growing up, my, my cousins grew up halfway across the country from, from where I grew up, and I, I, I just I had very, very little relationship with them. So, I mean, I think I can understand where you could make an argument about uncles and aunts and cousins. Um, maybe you could make an argument about fiancés because you're, you're not married at this point in time. So I don't necessarily have an issue with that. But the idea that you're going to say grandparents and grandchildren are not close family I'm just trying to picture all of those of you out there who, for example, maybe, you know, you have relationships or had relationships. If your grandparents were still alive, you certainly consider them to be close family. And I know um, pretty much pretty much every grandma and grandpa um, considers their grandchildren to be close family. And this idea that, okay, you're not going to be considered to be able to be brought into this country because you're not, I, I think... By taking this restrictive approach, that the Trump administration makes themselves look petty and invites what inevitably happened, which is again the litigation for Hawaii, which is one of the states that sued. I mean, they're they're out to fight Trump at every stretch of every step, so they end up suing, and now they're back in court again. They're asking a federal judge to issue an emergency injunction, at least as to you know grandparents and grandchildren and aunts and uncles. It's like. Why, 
why take this restrictive view of it? You just invite this. And, and candidly, I mean, look, I don't think the problem, if you're worried about potential terrorists coming into this country because there's not a sufficient vetting process from, from these various six countries, it, it's, it's not going to be. It's not going to be a grandparent. I mean, it, it's just not. It's not going to be a grandchild in all likelihood. Again, it's going to be somebody with no ties to anyone in this country. You know, who's coming in. That's where I think the real likelihood is. And I wish. I just wish we would have concentrated on that. It would have been much less controversial. Dennis and Franklin. Dennis, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. What do you think? Well, I just want to draw a, a, a distinction between today and many years ago. Uh, and I agree with everything you're saying. It's a different world now with grandparents and raising kids and blah, blah, blah. But uh, I was in uh, Vietnam serving a country in the United States Marine Corps. My grandfather had passed, and I was not allowed to come home on emergency leave because he wasn't, you know, an immediate family member. Mm-hmm. How did I you feel? Right. How did you feel about that? I mean, obviously, you, I, I assume that you considered your grandfather to, in your mind at least, your grandfather was a close was, was close family, right? Yeah, uh, you know, obviously. And, you know, in today's day and age with grandparents raising kids and all, and all the things yeah. that are going on, and, and I agree with everything you said, and I think that his ban is, uh, you know, way too stringent. But I just wanted to yeah. draw the that parallel between what happened back then. You know, you got to come up with some sort of uh, regulation. You know, you got to yeah. come draw the line somewhere. I think, you know, grandparents, they, they, drew, they drew it on right. the wrong side. But my point is that right. back in the day, I wasn't allowed to come home. Right. And I, I think, you know, thanks for calling. And I mean, I, and I wonder whether for immigration, and again, I don't know what the policy right now is for if somebody, and by the way, thank you very much for your service, Dennis. I, I mean that sincerely. I don't know nowadays what the policy would be if you have somebody who's um, is serving in a combat situation in Afghanistan or whatever, whether you could get family leave to come back if your grandfather or your grandmother passed away. I mean, I don't know one way or the other. But, again, we're not – This it, it is a different time, and it's also, in some some respects, kind of apples to oranges because we're talking about, in this case, you know, immigration as opposed to a soldier, like, leaving the front line or something like that. But, again, I just think – I think this – it was unnecessarily provocative – if I were, I mean, I said this at the beginning, when they first came out with the original travel ban that generated all the litigation, I can't believe that there was, they didn't consider what about people with green cards? You know, what about people who had some sort of legal standing in the U.S.? So from a due process perspective, they had a slight, they had a, they had, they had a different position than just somebody trying to come in for the first time. And there wasn't anybody in the room that raised their hand and said, excuse me, how are we going to handle green cards? So you come out with this travel ban. I guess I, I don't know that this ban on grandparents. Again, I don't think it's going to take. I don't think it's going to involve that many people one way or the other. I, I, I just don't. I, I don't think allowing grandparents, for example, to come in. I don't think that's going to change at all the numbers of people who are, you know, held out of this country while you get the the vetting period. I mean, not in any sort of significant way, but by doing it, it just it sort of makes you look petty. And I guess I just don't. I think that's the last thing that we need to do right now is to look petty in the eyes of either the people who don't think there should be a travel ban or in the eyes of the world. I mean, because try to tell people, all right, you're really not close family if you're a grandparent or you're a grandchild. Huh. It's 1053. This is Jeff Wagner. Ten fifty six. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. This is Dispatch. 
performing at 10 o'clock this evening at the Harley-Davidson Roadhouse at Summerfest. Be sure to check it out. Um, leading up to we on Friday at 11.30, we do our weekend review. We've got a couple of fun topics uh, coming up between 11 and 11.30. A couple of things I wanted to mention I did not get to. I tell you, we could call it Scafidi and Billstead. If they want to hang out at Summerfest, you know, have a couple beers, you and I, we can stay. You know, dial, dial them up right now. We, we could. I've got another two, two and a half hours of material. Easy. Now, on the other hand, maybe we'll move on. <laughs> so we've got some fun stuff coming up in the 11 o'clock hour. couple um, things I wanted to mention before we have to take our news break. Um, if if you haven't heard the term Masterpiece Cake Shop, that, that name, you, you will a lot. Masterpiece Cake Shop is, we talked about this earlier this week, this is the little bakery in Colorado where you had the owner who refused to make the cake for the gay wedding. He said that he would, you know, he, he be, wasn't refusing to sell goods, baked goods to this gay couple, but because of his religious belief, he thought he, he believed that same-sex marriage was wrong. He refused to do it. The gay couple then filed a complaint with the Colorado Equal Rights Division. Uh, the cake shop was fined. They were ordered to you know perform uh, community service. They were ordered to go into remedial training, all these things. So he's been appealing it. The U.S. Supreme Court surprised a lot of people earlier this week by agreeing to hear the case. Well, okay, since since that, um, this this baker, the guy's name is Jack Phillips. He's talking about how um, not only did he lose a chunk of his business, you know, after this became public, but now apparently um, he's he, he's getting death threats. Um, apparently, that this is again it's some of the tolerant and compassionate left out there that's calling up calling up his business phone. He says, but he picks it up and people are already talking and screaming. Death threats that are directed against him. Death threats that are directed against his daughter. Death threats that are directed against his wife. And again, it's kind of like tolerant, compassion, liberal alert. I I don't know how this case is ultimately going to come out because it it's going to depend on whether um, these states that have laws that say you can't discriminate based on sexual orientation, and that's clearly what he did. He was discriminating against that. How that runs into somebody's legitimate religious beliefs is protected by the First Amendment. I don't know how it's going to be decided, but it's going to be controversial whichever way it comes down. But anyhow, in the tolerant and compassionate category, he now says he's getting all sorts of death threats and hate email. Um, So put that in the can't we just get a long category okay coming up right after the news there's actually there's actually a very interesting question that the journal sentinel poses i want to share that and would you be willing to pay extra not to have to watch commercials stick around it's all coming up it's 10:59 1109, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. I just got that look from Jane Matinere. I asked her a question, and I just, I just got that look. Um, it was like, ooh, don't go down that route. That scared me. That's it. It's, it's that relationship I have with Jane and many other women in my life. I, I just absolutely adore them. I cherish them, and I'm a little bit scared of them. Um, all right. Uh, we've got the weekend review coming up in a half hour, but there's two things I want to discuss with you first. All right. Um, this, this is an option which is going to be available to you if you have certain cable carriers. And I am curious as to whether you would do it or not. Um, I, I Look, I watch a lot of TV, okay? I, I, I grew up with TV and, and all that. 
um, commercials to me are, are sort of like background noise. But I don't hate commercials like some people hate commercials, and maybe because I make a living, you know, doing a radio show that is supported by our good advertisers, maybe that's a factor. But here is the deal. AMC, American, it used to be American Movie Classics, now it's just AMC. You know, think Breaking Bad and The Walking Dead and Better Call Saul. They are teaming up with Comcast. Now, we don't have Comcast around here, do we, Hondo? I don't think so. We don't have Comcast, no. I don't believe we have Comcast. Maybe some people do, but in general, that's not the principal carrier. Okay, but they made a deal with Comcast, who's, of course, one of the you know providers of cable, that you can have for $4.99 a month, for 5 bucks a month, you can have an upgrade option called AMC Premier. What this means is that you can watch, if, if you pay $5.99, we'll round up, 5 bucks a month, you can watch the latest episode of AMC shows like The Walking Dead or Better Call Saul without any commercial interruption. That means that you know, if there's, I don't know, 12 or 13 minutes of commercials in a given hour program, it comes on at 9 o'clock. You can watch it straight through. It's this AMC premiere feature, so you'll get to see the ending 10 minutes before people who are watching it with commercials get to see it. It costs 5 bucks. Uh, the service will also have other bells and whistles, including, like, bonus scenes and, and interviews. It's not going to have past seasons of many of the AMC shows. Um, AMC says we think this is going to attract fans of our biggest shows. It's not a standalone service. It's just it's a complement. It's like an upgrade. So um, starting starting, I think, next week, next Thursday, it's available for purchase for roughly 19 million Comcast subscribers who already have AMC. And it only applies to AMC. But what Comcast is hoping to do is cut other deals with other channels as well. So if you're, again, you're a huge fan, let's say, of The Walking Dead, you can pay 5 bucks. And, again, it's not going to apply to us because I don't think we have Comcast around here. But you could apply 5 bucks, and you could watch the show without commercials as it is broadcast live. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I... I, I love these TV shows. I and and sometimes, okay, I've got some disposable income, and I admit that I I spend money on some of the damnedest things. I will be the first to acknowledge that. But there's no way in the world, there's no way in the world that I would spend five bucks just so I could, if I happen to be home, watch better when Better Call Saul is, is airing, so that I could watch it. Without commercials, there's just no way that I would would do that. Now, again, even if you watch the like the on-demand stuff later on, you know, there's the commercials built in, so presumably you could miss miss, miss this. But I mean, five dollars a month to be able to watch some of these shows without commercials for just one network. Now, maybe if you said, hey, we're going to apply this across the board so you can watch all shows that Comcast is broadcasting for five bucks without commercials, maybe. Maybe then I'd consider it. But for one channel, five bucks, there is no – this to me would be God's way of telling you that you have too darn much money. Okay, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Is this something that would appeal to you? One network, the ability to watch it commercial-free while you are watching it live for five bucks. 
414-799-1620. I don't know about you, but I just, I, and look, I pee $5 away all the time on all sorts of silly things. There's just no way that I would spend that for this. 414-799-1620, would you? We discuss next, and then a very provocative question as well. Stick around. It's all coming up. It's 1114. This is Jeff Wagner. And by the way, talk for the morning to you. Eleven sixteen, Jeff Wagner, six twenty, WTMJ. That is House of Pain performing this evening at Summerfest. They're going to be um, at nine forty-five this evening at the BMO Harris Pavilion. Check it out. Okay, there's this new service that's being rolled out. It, 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 you have to have Comcast. I don't think anybody around here has Comcast. But for five dollars, four ninety-nine a month, you could purchase the right to watch AMC shows, The Walking Dead, Better Call Saul, in real time without commercials. So Better Call Saul, which just wrapped up its season, if you bought, if you have this AMC premiere, you pay 5 bucks, you could watch it without commercials, so you, you get to know what happened at 9.45 instead of 10 o'clock like the rest of us schlubs who are watching it with commercials. There's no way in God's green earth I would do this. And I... You can't believe some of the stupid things I spend $5 on a month, but I have no way I would do this. Jeff in Fox Point. Jeff, you're on 620 WTMJ. Hey, Jeff, there's no way I would do this. It would upset Clark Howard, <laughs> and a better way to do to skip commercials is to DVR something and then just fast-forward through the commercials. Right, yeah, and, and again, this would only, the way I understand it, this would only apply, obviously, to... You know, people who are watching it in in real time. Because you're right. If if you you DVR it, then you can you can blow through them. You know, at your own pace, so you don't have to watch it anyways. I just I, again, this this is people. With all due respect to the idea, this is people who have way too much time on their hands or too much money. Yeah, too much money, and it seems like it's just another way they're trying to nickel and dime you to try and offer you stuff you don't need. Well, right. Thanks. And thank, I mean, now again, I mean, they say that they would offer like if you. Um, they would also offer special features, but they're available, too. I mean, I presume, like, for example, I'm a fan of Better Call Saul. I've never gotten into The Walking Dead, but, you know, I'm a fan of Better Call Saul. You know, you can go to, like, as part of, I've got Time Warner Cable or, or whatever they call it now, Spectrum, and, and you can go in their on-demand feature, and you can you can see the show after it's aired. I mean, you have to wait like 24 hours, but then they've also got these special features for every show, making of or whatever. That's already available free. Um, I, I don't think they're going to start charging for that anymore, so it's already available free if you're a subscriber. I just I just don't see it. Um, Lori, a woman after my own heart, writes, of course, why would I do this? When are you supposed to get another beer? Um, yeah. Bill in O'Connor walks. I don't watch commercials now. That's what remote controls are for. Um, let's see. And then we have another one, another text. For the AMC deal, what makes it even worse is they're getting paid by the advertisers as well. So basically, this is double dipping for them. This is why we have DVRs, and they make it seem like they're offering to make things better for the end user, but it's really a money grab. Yeah, I would, um, if I was an advertiser, who was spending however much money I have to spend to buy uh, an ad, a minute ad, on, on Better Call Saul. And I, hey, okay, it's the season finale. I think that the audience is going to be huge. I want to spend whatever they're charging me so that I can, uh, again, have an ad that's in the last 10 minutes because I know everybody's going to watching to see how the, what the cliffhanger is. I would be mad, as you know what, if all of a sudden somebody came in and said, oh, but we're going to give at least some of the subscribers, we're going to give them an option to just bypass your commercial in the beginning. 
I would certainly want to get at least some sort of discount. I'd expect the rates for the advertising to go down. Wouldn't necessarily hold my breath on that. I just think it's a, I, I mean, I just think it's one of these hip and trendy little bells and whistles that nobody wants to use. Okay. I, I've been waiting all morning to talk about this. And credit where credit is due. Uh, JS Online featured this. It's been up there for a day or two on their on their website. And this is the highest compliment I can pay. I wish I thought of this. I, I just do. It's it's such an interesting question. And ever since I, I saw this, I have been thinking about this. All right. Now, Hondo, you are pretty much a lifetime resident of southeastern Wisconsin. When you were a kid, did you and your family ever go up north? Okay, you went up north. Okay, where did you go? What what to you, what is up north? Rhinelander is up north. Okay, um, do you, would Green Bay be up north? Well, no, would you, if I said up, you said I suppose. If I said I, I'm, I'm going up north. Where are you going? I'm going to Green Bay. We, I mean, yes, I understand Green Bay is north of here, but the general concept, if I said I'm going up to Green Bay, would you consider that to be up north? Not to you. Okay, right. That's it. JS Online has been having this very interesting question. I, I, just, I have a few minutes. 414-799-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. When I say up north, what, what, where does up north begin? What, what is up north? Ever since I've lived here since I was 10 years old, and, you know, you you hear this a lot. During the summer, we're going up north. What exactly does up north mean? Does it mean Rhinelander? Does it mean Tomahawk? Does it mean Green Bay? Does it mean Stevens Point? Does it mean Marinette? Does it mean Manitowoc? What what is up north? Now, I understand geographically, I get get that, you know, (laughs) I mean, I get that Sheboygan, is north of Milwaukee, so it's north. But that's not what I mean. You know, if you've lived here, if you grew up around here for any length of time, you know this is a common phrase, in the summer, sometimes in the winter, we're going up north. We've got our cabin, we've got our cottage up north. What is up north to you? 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a minute. And I'm, I'm very curious as to what, what that means to you. It's 1122. This is Jeff Wagner. Stick around. Now tell me what do you want? What it's eleven twenty-four. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Gerard Neiman playing at the U.S. Cellular Connection stage this evening at Summerfest. All right, I, actually, I wish I thought of it. Journal Sentinel's been doing this online questioning. It's a real simple one. But what does up north mean? When when you say when somebody says to you, "I'm going on vacation up north," what is what is up north? And I, I think Hondo and I have agreed during the break that up north, in some respects, it's not as much a location as it is a a state. It's a state of mind, kind of. Um, all right, Lisa in Brookfield right, lies in Brookfield writes, up north is three-hour-plus car ride with one bathroom break. Um, let's see, another text. Let's see, my family calls our lake house up north. It's 15 minutes from where we live, and it's to the west, not north at all. Up north is a state of mind. Okay, 414-799-1620. Glenn in Glendale. Glenn, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, hey, pal. How are you? I'm not too bad, Jeff. Thank you. How you been? I'm good. This is Glenn Fieber, owner of Solly's, right? Right, yeah. Good, good enough. Good to you, Jeff. Yeah, you know, when we go up north, uh, anything past Rhinelander to me is up north. You know, Green Bay is okay, uh, but it's still not, like, up north. <laughs> right. And you get the old supper clubs up there past Rhinelander, Eagle River, St. Germain, Manaqua. Right. 
uh, places like that. Right, but uh, clearly, right, clearly, I mean, I think a lot of people, you say Eagle River, you know, Minocqua, all that, that's clearly mm-hmm. up north. So for you, you got to go past Rhinelander for that to be that that's way. That's correct. Okay. That's right, Jeff. Thanks a lot, Glenn. Have, you have a great 4th of July. That's Glenn Fieber, who owns Solly's free plug there. Matt in Burlington. Matt, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Um, for me, I have two schools of thought. For me, personally, it's anything north of Lake Winnebago. Okay. And otherwise, you can look at the uh, school of thought that Cadott, Wisconsin, has their claim to fame as the uh, halfway point from the equator to North Pole. So technically speaking, anything north of Cadott, Wisconsin, <laughs> could be up north as well. Right. <laughs> no, right, exactly. Okay, I have another text that says anything north of the fold in the map is is, is north. Um, let's see, Chris writes, text, our family recently went to Bayfield, Wisconsin, which is near the Apostle Islands on Lake Superior. That's about as north as you can get in Wisconsin. Very beautiful area. Yeah, no, I, I mean, clearly, yeah, I mean, Bayfield, that would be... That would be up north. Okay. Um, Pete in Waukesha. Pete, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Yes. Uh, I, I think years ago, all the people that I knew or talked to or hung around with used to think anything up north was north of Highway 29, which ran east and west across the whole state of Wisconsin. Right. It's, uh, Highway 29 is like Chippewa Falls to Green yep. Bay, essentially. Yep, exactly. Okay. And that was considered up north, even though... Sussex is up north from <laughs> Okay. So let me okay, so if I'm if I'm going up to Door if I'm going to Door County, is that going up north? Well of course. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, right. Okay. Well see that and that would be I, I guess See, what hung me up is I was trying to think of how I would describe that, and I, I think that would kind of be my line. I think if it's north of Highway 29, I would say I would consider that to be up north. But, I mean, I, I live in southeastern Wisconsin. But then the truth is when I say I'm going to Door County, I don't necessarily think of Door County as going up north. It's a riddle hidden inside a conundrum. Let's talk to, um, let's see, Steve in Menominee Falls. Steve, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. How you doing, Jeff? Hi, Steve. What's up north to you? I'm actually in the car heading to Rhinelander right now. But anyway, um, up north is where the pine trees begin, and the National Forest is. Okay. And you've got more lakes than you can count. And, yeah, obviously it's the state of mind. But I, I remember driving up as a kid, and we used to say, ooh, smell the pines. Okay. So that that's it. You need to hit that. Okay, now thanks for going. Have, have a great vacation. Let's talk to Pam, who is headed to Green Bay. Pam, good morning. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? I am well, thank you. Okay, where is up north to you? You're heading up north, I get the idea. Yes, yes we are. My husband and I just passed um, Sheboygan, and for us, it's four hours away, a little um, town called Dunbar. Okay, what's it's, the? Well, I should know this, but what's the nearest big town to Dunbar? Privet. Oh, Crivets. Okay, no Crivets. Yeah, sure. It's, it's about 45 minutes north of Crivets. Oh, okay. And then um, for us also, there's a rest area about two hours in. So we always stop at the rest area, let the dogs have a break and us have a, a break. <laughs> And um, that's right. what it is for us. All right. No, I, well, I would definitely, Crivets would definitely qualify. See, this is one of the things. People are going to be talking about this. I, I've done like two and a half hours of like really heavy-duty politics and I think real insightful stuff. Everybody's going to be discussing tonight. Do you know that Wagner guy? He was talking about what's up north. You know, that's, <laughs> Jane laughs. Lynn on the south side. Lynn, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Jeff. Okay, okay. what's up north? Up north is up north. It's upper Michigan. Okay. My mom was from Iron Mountain area, so we have property in Zagola, 
relatives all over, Marquette, you name it. <laughs> okay, so if I'm going up to Marinette or Crivets or whatever, that doesn't really qualify as up north. I got I got to cross. I got to no. be in the UP. You got to go UP. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Michael. Well, again, I just okay. This is the debate to have. There, there's there's no right or wrong answer, and that's like I say. That's why I thought this was so intriguing. Credit where credit is due. The Journal Sentinel had. I thought I wish I'd thought of that because I've been thinking again, and it, part of it probably depends on where you live. Like I say, I've spent my entire life in southeastern Wisconsin, so up north. My definition is perhaps a little different. On our text line, let's see. You know you've reached up north when your wife and kids start complaining, start complaining that it's taking too long to get there. <laughs> that could be a point. Okay, Jane Matinair, before I throw it to you for news, do you have you want to weigh in on this? What's up north? We, we did not take uh, family vacations. My father was a mortician, so we stuck around close to home. Uh, so uh, for me, up north is like Tomahawk. Yeah. I mean, three and a half hours. You know, it's three and a half hours. To me, yeah. that's up north. Yeah, I, I guess I'm, I'm trying to think. I would... Again, I wrestle with. I would probably use. I probably have a broader one. I would use that Highway 29, you know, Chippewa Falls to to Green Bay. But I, I wrestle when I when I hear people going to Door County. I don't think a Door County is being up north. north. I don't know. Not like Bayfield, and I've been to Bayfield, which is wonderful in the Apostle <laughs> Islands. That's up north. Right. I, I think, yeah, we'd all agree on that. Oh, except our last caller who said it had to be the Upper Michigan. Peninsula. Okay. <laughs> all right. For all those of you who are taking vacations this weekend and who are driving, heading north, this is what you can do in your car. You can have a discussion about are we really going up north and where does it kick in? Is Oshkosh up north? How far do you have to go? It's 1136, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJK. One final thought before the week in review. A number of people are sending me a, a poem by a woman named Suzanne Kindler. Up north, it's the place to go to escape, a place made of cabins, pine trees, and lakes. But no matter how far you drive, there's no sign to say you've arrived. Just follow your heart till you find your special place that brings peace of mind. As you breathe in the air and unwind, your cares are all left behind. It's no mystery where the north would start. When you arrive up north, you'll know in your heart. How about that? Susie Falk from the Falk Group PR. Tracy Johnson from the Commercial Association of Realtors. It's Week in Review. Hello, ladies. Hello. Good morning. All right. You guys are both. See, I just, for some reason, I was intrigued by it. What is up north and where does it start? You know, so I guess it just depends. I'm heading there next week. It's it's north of Kewaskum to me. Right. North of Kewaskum. Yeah. Okay. Up north to you is where? Spooner. Spooner. Spooner is definitely up north. Okay. Week in Review. Lots of ground to cover. Um, President Trump yesterday decides to take to Twitter and take on the hosts of Morning Joe. Um, essentially says he doesn't watch the show, but he understands they've been critical of him, and he calls one a psycho and says that, uh, what is it, Mika shows up at Mar-a-Lago with a facelift and she's bleeding and all. Okay, um, Susie Falk is there any reason for the President of the United States to be doing this, or was it just another well, bizarre thing? He, he, we know he's a narcissist, and he's a misogynist, and, and he just has a really hard time being attacked. And he, uh, he obviously likes the tit-for-tat thing, and he can't just, uh, as a president should do, you know, withhold any kind of commentary and not go down into those, those weeds. But he decides to, to play this, you know, fighting fire with fire, and he's lashing out, and it's... It's, it's a terrible thing for him to do, and the Republicans are seeing it that way also. And, and he was just taken to task yesterday, and it was really sad because yesterday was a big policy day for him. And once again, you know, he's his own worst enemy. He gets in the way. He's, he's the story. Some would say, well, don't report on it. He's making news. You can't 
not report on that. Mm-hmm. You have to report on it. And, and by the way, lest I forget, we are also live streaming the Week in Review of uh, Facebook.com backslash 620 WTMJ. So you can see us in the studio. You guys are both decked out in your Fourth of July apparel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tracy, okay, you, yeah. you are... You are, I, I think, much more de- much more supportive of the president <laughs> than, than Susie is. Um, but at the same time, you're a, you're a very classy person. I mean, what do you think about these tweets? Well, I, I think my my first comment, my first observation about this is like, children, can we just stop, <laughs> stop, stop this nonsense? It, it yes, it's tit for tat. Everybody that voted for the president or didn't vote for the president knew that this is the type of thing that he did i don't think anybody's surprised and frankly i've talked to a few of them who are kind of like well these guys shouldn't have been ripping on the president and his kids and his wife and all of that and i'm not going to support the comments because i think he's got so many opportunities to just rise above this well, right. um, but i think that, that that mika and joe i actually turned on the tv and and suffered through that this morning well it's, and, it's everybody probably did because my guess is you want to talk about like a, a counterintuitive type of thing my guess is Whatever the ratings were two days ago, it's through the roof now because oh, yeah. everybody is doing it's exactly spike, what you talk. Yeah. But they're sitting there crying like, "Whoa, is me! Oh, the president was mean to me." Well, well, stop being such a jerk to the president. I mean, they are causing this mess, and it's this 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 okay. unending. But don't you need to be disaster. above? I mean, you're yes, the leader everybody of the free needs world. to be above it. I mean, everybody know, needs to be above it. The not, media needs to stop. The president oh needs gosh. to stop. Yes, he's easily baited. I'm not defending no, his no, comments. No, you know why? That. Because I will get death threats. The media is all about ratings. Okay, they're entertainment. These are these are these are talk show hosts. They're they're looking to draw and look at things. But they have no credibility. Because right. we all no credibility. Well, okay, okay well, but I, see, I agree with you. But then why engage? That's my question. Why why engage? You're the leader of the free world. Now, some people think that this is part of a master strategy to, I mean, <laughs> distract it, I, right, to distract, yeah, because now people aren't talking about the problems of health care. But, of course, the problem is all the people in the U.S. Senate that are yeah. supposed to be working at health care, they show up, and that's, this is all the media wants to ask them. Paul Ryan, yeah. Ron Johnson, yeah. okay, what, what do you think? Do you support the president? I mean, it, it makes it really hard to support him. I, I would not defend any of those comments, but I don't think it's surprising to people that he would say those well, things his base i think his true but, base will but, stick with him i but i don't oh, yeah. think any reasonable person would think those comments are are no. are condonable but uh, you know i think the fighting j- just needs to stop and maybe let's just say you know what media you know what joe scarborough and mika brzezinski why don't you just why don't you start this and be above it and don't bait the president she was on tv saying listen i was baiting him i knew this was going to get under his skin really but you know, are you but a child but, Where, but, are we but all children but here? at the same time you know that's going to happen i mean i guess that's the that's the thing would you expect somebody who sits in the oval office to be able to kind of no recognize <laughs> well, I'm not. Uh, but well, Doesn't most presidents would. Do, well, that's I mean, come on. Uh, that's it. It's I, Donald I, Trump. <laughs> come on. The tweets. The, the tweets have been r- really ridiculous. And, uh, and and the Presidential Records Act makes sure that the National Archives archives are going to be saving all these tweets for for, <laughs> for down the road. So generations from now, we can look back upon this presidency and read these tweets and wonder what on earth happened. It's I, not full of grace. I, I just think it's, it's, it's interesting because I, I think it, I, I always try to just. Dis- divide style versus substance. And I think if you look at the substance of a lot of things that the president is talking about and we're going to get through, that's there, there's going to be lots of things you're proud to accomplish. At the same time, it's the style that mm-hmm. gets in the way. And I think that's contributing to a lot of the bad poll numbers. Um, okay, uh, story number two. And Tracy, I know this is something that's uh, dear to your heart. That the state budget has been, has been messed up for a, a while now. We should have had a budget 
by this Friday. It's not going to happen. There's a rift between the Assembly Republican leadership, the state Senate Republicans, and the governor. The governor says no new gas taxes. The Senate says no new gas taxes for various reasons. The Assembly has been pushing, the Assembly leadership has been pushing, let's not borrow, let's have a gas tax. There might be a compromise, a tax on Heavy trucks. Mm. What do you think? That is, it's just not a compromise. It's an additional uh, tax on business. Um, and and it, it not only hurts the big trucking companies, but when you look at so many of the trucking companies, you know, their fleets are 5, 10, 15 uh, trucks. And you know, quite honestly, in this global economy where there's so much distribution and in a manufacturing state, uh, you're going to have you know, brokers who are going to make decisions and say, we're not going to use Wisconsin trucking companies because the fees are too high. I don't know that people necessarily realize that the registration fee for, for the heavy trucks is is 35% higher than what, what we pay, what, 75 bucks or now, something the, like that? The argument is mm-hmm. that the the trucks, the heavy trucks, yep. cause more damage sure. and wear on the they roads. They pay more. They um, do pay more. Right. And they do pay more. And I think we need to, to look at the macro issue of of you know what does this do to the business and oh yeah we'll wow. pass it on to the consumer well we are a distribution hub and mm-hmm. granted it's all you know a lot of it's southeastern wisconsin but this is a tax on business i don't think it goes anywhere i don't think it should mm-hmm. well I, I think it's an interesting idea and i do think that you know now we're engaging these companies and these associations in the conversation i think we need to know exactly you know what is this going to cost and how would these companies pass along um, well that's the key they, the they, let, let's not kid ourselves they're going to pass this will. along yeah. you know what? this okay. is a tax on consumers. So Consumers, Where do you one find the, the money? Okay, you need to find the money someplace, but, or do you borrow? But it puts Wisconsin at a disadvantage. Like I said, when you're shipping out of state, mm-hmm. these brokers are going to say, "Listen, I'm not going to use a Wisconsin trucking company. This is this. I'm right. going to find another way." So yeah, it will be passed on to the consumer. But at the end of the day. Wisconsin suffers, and, and it is an anti-business sentiment and an anti-business message. Mm-hmm. I think they're sending. You know what, though? It's 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 a start. To, to have a conversation right. about it's alternative an ways in a package. Mm-hmm. Right, but but that's not going to happen in this budget cycle. No. I mean, it's like, you're right, it's like we're talking about toll. I, I heard well, the, the Assembly <laughs> Republicans say, well, we, we go along with tolling. Well, no. okay, tolling's not an immediate solution. Even if you even if you did tolling, you have to get a federal waiver. You have to build the infrastructure. If you decide you only wanted to put the toll booths down by the state line, in my opinion, you're violating the Commerce Clause. But regardless, I guarantee you, you're looking at five years of litigation. Um, it's not an immediate solution, Um Something's got to get done, and so let's borrow. Let's I'm, borrow. I'm, I, I'm, I'm in favor. <laughs> let's well, take it down the road. Well, that but, would be but awesome. well, no. Okay, Tracy, you got a, <laughs> I, you, you got a mortgage on your house, yes. right? Okay, so you, I mean, the, the question I would is, love to make that mortgage even longer if other people were paying for it, though. Well, right. The question, the question, oh, good line. No, the, but the question is, I mean, is it irresponsible borrowing? I guess. I mean, can you do it reasonably? And that's, um, I think that's what the issue is. But I just want to get a budget done, mm-hmm. and um, I, I think I, I'm with you guys. I think that the that this is just another tax. I'm also not convinced that we haven't cut all the fat out of the Department of Transportation Mm -hmm. budget. Okay, we're going to take a very quick break. When we come back, all right, um, something near and dear to all our hearts, shopping in southeastern Wisconsin. Stick around. It's 1145. This is the Week in Review. Susie Falk, Tracy Johnson, I'm Jeff Wagner. If you be my bodyguard, I can be your long-lost pal. 1149, Jeff Wagner, Susie Falk, Tracy Johnson, The Week in Review. You, Tracy, you just said, call me out. That was one of your wedding songs? <laughs> one of the many. Oh. I, I'm a music wow. junkie, so. Okay, yes. well, there, Hondo was just reading your mind right there. Okay, we're, we continue with The Week in Review. Um, yesterday, 
uh, groundbreaking on a new IKEA store on right by I-94 and Drexel Avenue in Oak Creek. Um, this is going to be massive, 291,000 square feet at a time when many large retailers are, are looking at bankruptcy. Malls are struggling. This this could be a game changer. Okay, will IKEA succeed? And if so, why? Susie Falk. Yeah, I think it will. Um, this is a great concept for a store. Now, personally, I don't like assemble yourself furniture. It drives me kind of crazy. But, but um, your husband probably appreciates that uh, as well. Look what I bought here, right? No, uh, uh-uh. um, but you know, for those who do like IKEA furniture, they love it. And and it's not just for the furniture. You go and you bring your kids, and you can drop them off in the little kitty club, and the kids play for an hour while you're deciding on what you want to buy. And then I guess this restaurant. Has the restaurant that they're going to offer has something like seating for 300 and Swedish themed food. So I think it's I, th- I think it's a really good concept. I also think the company itself is highly respected. Um, it's a it's a green company. It's also got a lot of women in management positions, 40 percent, and they're very much into um, charitable causes. They're just a really good company, privately owned. So I think it's going to do well. Tracy, well, IKEA is a, a destination, right? And how cool is it that Oak Creek was able to? to land that destination store. And I know there was a lot of conversation about, is this far enough away from the one in Schaumburg, which I've tortured myself and driven too many times. But um, I think it's, I think it's going to do great. This is a little bit smaller concept from what I understand. Not only is it going to stimulate, uh, you know, Oak Creek, but I think also a lot of, you know, good development and other retail and housing are, are going to follow. So um, I think it's going to do very very yeah. well here. Okay. Well, and Ikea did the research, and they, they yeah. saw, they, I think they were looking at Schomburg's, you know, email, where are people coming from, mailing it. Here's, here's 210,000 Okay, would, would I be correct in saying you guys think it's going to succeed in part because of, of I, Ikea is, is different? I mean, it, it's like you're saying, it's a destination. Mm-hmm. It, it's something other than your typical big box retailer. But not only that, it is it is set up like a, a warehouse. I mean, right? It's not, It doesn't totally depend on that whole destination concept, which is the way that retail is going. But you've got you've got so much merchandise that's already there. They can ship it. They're already set up to be a, a distribution center. Okay. Then, then let me change the subject slightly. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, this week, it's the grand opening at the new shopping complex in Gerke's Corners. Um, the, what is Four Corners, I think, is what they call it, the Von Mar. Oh, and, the Corners. You know, the Corners, right. You know, L.L. Bean and all that. There's a couple restaurants. Um, I, I'm told that there's still available retail mm-hmm. space. Is is that going to succeed? Yes. Okay. It's a great mixed use concept. They thought it, it took eight years to get that thing underway. It's 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 positioned beautifully right at a great uh, you know uh, the the highway ramp. It's 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 great. They've got parking. They've got the apartments. They've got some. Well, they got parking, but it's it's underground parking. But the, and they've got some concepts uh, footprints um, for right. their retail stores that would suit a, a smaller retailer, the boutique type retailers. Um, but they're attracting some really big names, and I think it's going to be another destination. It's all about you know the mixture of the restaurants and the grocery store. I think it's I think it's going to do great. And if they can get an office tenant, that'd be great. I think it will. I, you know, I think it's a great concept. I, there are a lot of shoppers out that way, and there mm-hmm. are, that's a really great thoroughfare for people coming in from Madison or you know heading out from downtown Milwaukee. So I think the location's prime. I think you know with the right combination of stores, I think it should do. Will well. it hurt Brookfield Square? I think it will. I think there's enough to go around. I think Brookfield Square is rethinking how they. Att- track people and I know that was a big controversy right. when they were you know spurring that development but um, they're rethinking the way that they 
uh, they put out their merchandise and their their footprints and the restaurants it, and the mixture well, of entertainment. It, I think there's enough to go around. It's interesting. I, I've been there. I went to the uh, Cafe Hollander because mm-hmm. after graduation, that's where my niece mm-hmm. wanted to go to that Cafe Hollander. And um, my best friend's son, Dean, works at LL Bean out there. They're having that's their, their open right, right. They're having their. They've had. They've been open for a little bit, but it's just it's been a soft opening. I think this weekend is the formal opening. Um, I don't know. I, I'm. Hmm. I'm. You know, they, they still have lots of retail space available. I'm told, so that makes me that makes me kind of wonder. It's unique um, space, though. Right? I, there's there are reasons for that. No, it, it is, and I mean, you obviously want to see it. I haven't been in Vaughn Mar, so I mean, I don't know if that's really is that so much different than the other stuff. I mean, I certainly hope it succeeds. I'm I'm just not sure one way or the other, but I think IKEA is going to be a success mm-hmm. regardless. All right, it is 11:54. When we come back, we've got the Right Stuff Awards. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner, Susie Falk, Tracy Johnson. It is the Week in Review. So maybe I don't know. John Bellion playing at the Miller Lite Oasis this evening at Summerfest. All right, it's 1157, the Right Stuff Awards. Susie Falk, you're first. Summerfest, of course. Summerfest never looks so good at 50. 50 is a big year, you know, Jeff. Good good things happen <laughs> on your 50th. But Summerfest really it's is so long ago, awesome. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, well, I've got one coming up. Um, but Summerfest, seriously, what a fantastic festival. We all love it. Um, it's, and I really want to give my Right Stuff Awards to the, the brave souls that marched down there on the opening night in the rain, the torrential rain. My daughter was one of them. I thought she was nuts, but she came home and she had a ball. So congratulations, Summerfest, and all you hearty, hearty concert goers. <laughs> Tracy Johnson. All right, on a little bit more serious note, I want to give my Right Stuff Awards to this this MLB umpire who saved a woman's life, um, 34-year-old John Tumpain. Uh, he was you know, walking along, saw this woman who was going to jump off a bridge, and I think he, he, he reacted. He did the right thing. He saved her life. And I think it, it caused me to pause to say, boy, what, what, what would I do in that tense situation? Of course, thinking back, you, you don't have a lot of time to decide. So he gets my Right Stuff Award. Um, I think it's a message, too, to if you see someone with a problem, help out. Uh, large or small, help out. My, my Right Stuff Award, I, I echo Susie, Summerfest 50. It's never looked better. Uh, kudos to everybody that's attending, but Bob Babish and Don Smiley and Sarah Smith and all the people working behind the scenes to make the big gig happen. Um, you're doing an absolutely great job. 